It is week three of the NFL season, and the Chiefs, with their biggest test this week, they'll be playing the Baltimore Ravens. We will preview that game. Also, Jalen Ramsey, what in the world is going on with Jalen Ramsey? We've got Chiefs players tweeting at him. We'll talk about that as well. Daniel Harms from Arrowhead Guys will be on the podcast. Going to talk to him later on. Also, KCTV5 has suffered its biggest consequence after the coverage from Tyreek Hill. We'll talk about that and much more here on this episode of the Chiefs Zone Podcast. Facebook.com slash Farzin That is my Facebook account. Follow me on Facebook. Follow me on Twitter at Farzine 21 and follow Zach at Z Stegna. Subscribe to the podcast, share the links, and make sure you text in to the podcast. Got a couple of texts. We'll read those later on as well. 913-808-2119-913-808-2119. Zach Stegna, as I mentioned, he is here with me on the Chief Zone Podcast. It's it's week three, Zach. Uh, we've been talking all offseason about this Chiefs team. Looking forward to this Chiefs team since that AFC Championship loss and we're already in week three. We are one-eighth into the season now. When you put it like that, it makes it seem like, you know, there's not a whole lot to go. But really, we're just getting started. <laughs> no, I mean, I say this year after year. People will say, oh, it's one game. It's two games. Let's not go crazy if a team's 2-0 and or 0-2. But, man, you don't have a lot of games in football, especially at the college and even at the high school level. Man, and I can't remember who said this. Um... Someone, a former quarterback said this, uh, that when you win, it feels like everything's going great. When you lose it, I mean, it feels like the end of the world because each week, I mean, in baseball, it's like, okay, you lose, you forget about it the next day. But in football, man, uh, you dwell on that loss for seven, five days, depending when your next game is. And if it's a win, hey, uh, fans are riding high for a whole week. So, yeah, football is a, a really weird sport in a, in a unique way, and that's why we love it. Absolutely. That's one of the things that makes it fun. And ultimately, you know, while people may, you know, write off one bad performance here and there, realistically, I mean, you know, eight and eight teams don't always make the playoffs, but nine and seven sure is a whole lot easier to do it. So, you know, one win can really make the difference between uh, sitting home in January and continuing to play. So just saying, like, you know, if, uh, you know, Eli Manning and the Giants had had just, you know, one more loss, either of those years they won the Super Bowl, (laughs) there would be no Super Bowls here in New York. So... Just saying. By the way, you were right about Daniel Jones. He, he is going to be starting. Yeah, called it. Good for you on that one. Except, you know, it was a couple weeks earlier than I expected. I was calling it about week six. You know, just goes to show that Eli, uh, you know, is ready to be shown the door. It's time for him to uh, ride off into the sunset unless the Steelers want him. Uh, yeah, ugh, that, that, that is a possibility. Uh, I'm sure you're, you're going to hear all about that given that you're in New York, but... We're not going to be talking about that. We'll, uh, we're going to be doing a lot of Chiefs talk here. We'll get into a little bit of NFL talk later on. By the way, the Mahomes Magic Crunch giveaway, that is over. I appreciate everyone who participated in those giveaways. Uh, I'm sorry I couldn't give one to everyone. You know I would if I could. Uh, but congratulations to our six winners on Facebook and Twitter. We now have the Chiefs Kingdom Flag giveaways. That is live right now on Facebook and Twitter as of Wednesday night, 6 p.m., Already got a post up and just simply follow the rules on Facebook and Twitter. Twitter, it's a simple follow and retweet. On Facebook, you basically have to comment, tag three friends, share the post, and like the post. It's as simple as that in order to have a chance to win. So go sign up. Uh, I've got three Chiefs Kingdom Flag giveaways. So obviously in the next round, 
Uh, what I'll have to decide between Facebook and Twitter, and then I also have a Chiefs Kingdom flag from 2016, and I'll have to decide uh, when we do that. But we'll do that when we cross that bridge. Uh, as I mentioned, Daniel Harms will be on the podcast later on before we preview the Chiefs and Ravens matchup. But let's talk about some of the Chiefs news because there is a lot of it right now. And this one I know we're going to spend a little bit of time talking about, and that is, of course, Jalen Ramsey. Is he coming to Kansas City? Is he not? What is going on? Well, Here's the latest on this, and Tuesday is when things got really crazy. Uh, By the way, Tuesday, generally teams don't practice or talk to the media. The Jaguars did because they have a Thursday game. For most of you listening, that's today. Um, So I'll get into that in a moment. Jalen Ramsey, according to Jason Lockenfora, he has heard from other general managers in the NFL that Kansas City is the apparent frontrunner right now. They are the favorites to... Uh, end up receiving Jalen Ramsey in a trade. The Jags reportedly want two first-round draft picks for him, obviously a very high price. Kansas City has not had a first-round pick in two straight drafts, so it's obviously been a while. Obviously, they uh, gave up a 2018 draft pick for Patrick Mahomes, trading up to get him, and they gave up a draft pick uh, leading up to this past uh, year's draft in 2019 to get Frank Clark. So, is it worth... Two first-round picks. Look at the Chicago Bears with Khalil Mack. Tightening him on the defensive side, that definitely helped their case. Now, here are some things to go over here, Zach, before we dive into this. So some people are saying he's a bad locker room guy. And I guess what maybe rubbed people off the wrong way, and I mentioned I, I touched on this on Tuesday, he spoke to the media and said, I just want an effing win, and then apologized for the language. Then he dropped the S-bomb. And you know, look, I, I can appreciate that. He, I mean, he's, 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 he's being him to his true self right now. He's being honest with the media. But at the same time, you, I guess that gives a bad vibe to some people, and they say he's a bad locker room guy. Well... Uh, don't take it from me, but Tyreek Hill and Tyron Matthew both tweeted at him. Tyron Matthew tweeted him and his agent. Now, his agent doesn't have a lot of uh, a lot of power in this situation, given uh, it's a trade that is likely to go down. Uh, but they're trying to recruit him. Um, so what do you make of that, the whole locker room issue with with Jalen Ramsey? I mean, I think realistically, winning fixes a lot of things. Uh, and if there's one thing that we've seen out of Jalen Ramsey historically through his career is that the guy is incredibly competitive. Does that tend to manifest itself in, you know, a little bit of smack talking here and there? You know, kind of like, uh, you know, one of our former, you know, incredible cornerbacks we had here in Kansas City by the name of Marcus Peters? Yeah, it certainly no, that calls guy. that to mind. Uh, now, with that being said, I think that also, you know, kind of underscores the concerns that we've got when it comes to, you know, is he a good locker room guy? Because realistically... That was the guise under which Marcus Peters was let go. Now, to be fair, I'm still of the opinion that that was a Clark Hunt call, but that's a separate discussion entirely. I think that ultimately, though, if we were to bring Jalen Ramsey into this locker room, one, Andy Reid is, you know, he's got a tremendous reputation of, you know, working with players that are a little bit more temperamental, shall we say. Uh, And ultimately, I think that, you know, the prospect of coming in and really competing for a Super Bowl. I think is, you know, the sort of thing that that's part of the reason the Patriots are good at straightening people out, too. It's the same deal where they're all realistically, you know, going to have a shot at the Super Bowl, which is one of the things that every NFL player wants to get in their career. And so I think that, you know, that pursuit overshadows most of the uh, extracurricular nonsense that might go on. 
And this is the thing, you know, Tuesday evening, I had a lot of conversations. I, I, lo- I love to go back and forth with people on Facebook and Twitter and just to kind of get their thoughts on this and just have a conversation about it. Do you agree? Do you disagree? A lot of people want this to happen and a lot of people don't want this to happen. People feel very sh- – there's no like, oh, I don't care either way. People have a strong stance on this whole Jalen Ramsey thing. Um, I got a tweet from a couple of people saying we can find better cornerbacks. And I'm like, who? Patrick Peterson? I mean, okay. I can agree that Patrick Peterson is maybe a better cornerback, but he's currently suspended through week six. And if you acquire him in a trade right now, you're not allowed to be in contact with him. So learning Steve Spagnuolo's defense and getting up to speed and all that, I mean, that's not ideal to go through this heavy learning process midseason. It's just not an ideal thing. Whereas with Ramsey, you can get going week three, week four, whatever this trade could go down. Um, But that's a a discussion for another time. Now, here's the other thing. Is he worth two first-round draft picks? I just mentioned Khalil Mack and the Bears. And, man, I mean, their defense is a lot better. And they were, what, 12-4 and last year? One game behind the Saints and Rams who tied for uh, first place in the conference. I I, I think Khalil Mack definitely helped them get to that point uh, for sure. Now... The Bears did have other issues last year with uh, one of their kickers. We won't get into that so much. But here's my thing. Um, Some say he's not worth the risk. And look, okay, that's fine. But if you are going to have that stance, and if Kansas City does not make this trade or they don't acquire another cornerback, don't criticize this team. If you uh, provided that in the event of they don't get a cornerback and the Chiefs don't, have the end game that you want, which is, I think we all want a Super Bowl win. I think that's the expectation and demand from every Chiefs fan right now, a realistic demand too, uh, to be clear. This is a golden opportunity. And look, I know the Chiefs were an offsides call away from going with a Bob Sutton ranked 31st ranked defense. I get that, but every game, every year is a different situation, a different scenario. Not every year is going to be the same. So, I just think this would be a bold move, uh, but also an important one. And and one that you need to make to get that Super Bowl push. Especially given that the Patriots, they got Antonio Brown. Lots of Chiefs fans aren't comfortable that they have all those those receivers with a top receiving core there. Um, Here's my thing, Zach. Not only do I want this to happen because I think it would help, especially when Morris Claiborne's suspension is over. I want this to happen because I would hate to look back with regret, assuming we lose in the Super Bowl or in the AFC Championship or maybe even sooner, God forbid. I would just hate to have regrets and say, should have done it. Should have given up those draft picks for Jalen Ramsey. I mean, that's a fair point. But, you know, I guess the way I look at it is if it's really, you know, the rumors that I've been hearing is it's kind of down to us and the Eagles are the two names that are most commonly linked to uh, Jalen Ramsey here realistically, like, I just think we can drive the asking price down a little bit. I mean, Khalil Mack had a lot more left on his contract than Jalen Ramsey does. I mean, Jalen Ramsey's contract's up at the end of this year. Uh, And so I think ultimately that's the real question. Like, if, you know, we were just renting him for the rest of this year, um, you know, that's one thing. And I think we'd be able to drive the asking price down as a result. Like, if you ask me, you know, straight up, you know, would you trade that, you know, 32nd in theory? pick in the draft for uh, Jalen Ramsey, even if it's just a year of him? Yeah, I probably would. Would I trade that pick and then the first rounder next year too? Well, no, probably not. 
Uh, I think that you know there are other options to be had. I don't think that you know giving two first round picks is the right call here, unless we're sure we can re-sign him and he's going to be a uh, you know if he's going to be a vital part of our uh, team for the foreseeable future. Then maybe that's one thing. But if it's just for a rental, I can't see giving up two first round draft picks for it. That doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Here's my thing. If I told you, Zach, that we need to trade up 17 spots in the 2017 NFL Draft to get the quarterback we want, I know it's easy to answer this question now, knowing what we know about Patrick Mahomes, but at the time if I told you that, what would your response have been given that we move up 17 spots and we're giving up next year's first-round pick? I was still hyped for that. I mean, basically, you just gave up next year's first-round pick to jump a few spots. Like, I honestly thought we were doing it for Deshaun Watson, as I've said a couple times yeah, before. Yeah, me too. Uh, but, you know, we were all hyped. I was at the Chiefs draft party at uh, you know at the practice facility when that took place, and the entire room was just kind of hyped, thinking like, oh, man, what are we going to do? We're, getting, we're going up to get a quarterback. You know, here comes Deshaun Watson. Uh, Patrick Mahomes? Who? Uh, that's really kind of the way that we – I mean, we all just kind of had that, you know – we were kind of scratching our heads a little bit because we all assumed Deshaun Watson. And then, you know, we were kind of sitting there, not necessarily like bummed about the pick. We were just a little bit, you know, I guess kind of not even skeptical is the right word. We were just kind of sitting there like, hmm, well, if they went up and did this, they clearly have a good reason for it. I think it'll work out with Andy being Andy, but, you know, yeah. let's just hope that it does. I mean, now obviously, hindsight being twenty twenty, it worked out way better than any of us could have imagined, but... Yeah, we were definitely optimistic about that prospect. It's just, for me, it's the fact that it's two first-round picks. Um, Like, if it's a swap and a first, I'm here for that. It's just, you know, you didn't have a first-round pick in 2018. You didn't have one this year. So far, that hasn't been too big of an issue. And, you know, here's my stance right now. Um, Like I said, I I just don't want to look back and say, should have done it. I just hate to have to have that conversation. Um you know, you know that you know that that saying. You gotta risk it to get the biscuit. Um, to me, it's just yeah. This is your this is your golden opportunity. Um, there is not a lot of confidence right now. Here's the other thing too. I will add. We haven't even discussed this part. Um, you got to sign Patrick Mahomes next year. Chris Jones wants a new deal, and Jalen Ramsey is going to want a deal, and they all are going to say, hey, we're the best at our positions. And look, by the way, we'll get into this with another time with Mahomes because I know uh, I teased this last week, but I, I'm really starting to wonder what kind of a deal Mahomes will get because of all the uh, endorsements and all the commercials he's in and just turning 24 this week and everything he has accomplished in his young career, which is insane to say. Um, I mean, he's going to get probably a really big deal next year, so it's just... In my mind, it's like, okay, if you do get Jalen Ramsey, uh, well, first off, Mahomes is your priority number one, no matter what. But if you give up so many resources to get Ramsey, he becomes a priority over Chris Jones at that point. And if you don't have enough money to retain Chris Jones, you probably risk losing him in the offseason. That's another thing you've got to consider when you make this move here. 100%. And realistically, I don't think Mahomes is coming in at a discount the way that many people would love to see. Because, realistically, he owes it actually to the rest of the players in the league uh, to get that max deal, so to speak. It's like, you know, in the NBA, like, if LeBron and KD weren't making the max, no one's making the max. Because no one's going to be paid, you know, more than those two, you know, when they're the best in the league at what they do. Uh, And when quarterback is obviously the most 
you know, single most important position in professional sports in this country, uh, you know, that guy's got to get paid. Mahomes is the best at it, and he's going to get paid. So I think that realistically you do have to look at it as Jalen Ramsey would come in and supplant Chris Jones. If you're cool with that, well, then all right. But if not, then, uh, you know, you got to kind of factor that in. Yeah, that is the unfortunate part of this business when you are doing so great. I mean, it feels like, you know, what could go wrong when you have such a dominant team? Well, everyone's going to want to get paid, and it does become difficult to retain everyone. Now, before I move on, people are going to say, how do the Patriots do it? It helps when you're uh, when you're a an all-star quarterback and your wife is making, I mean, her net worth is more than Tom himself. So uh, that's why Tom has given back so much money to the organization, but... Uh, it's it's one of those things you got to think about. There's a lot to really consider when you uh, when you want to get Jalen Ramsey. Let us know your thoughts. 913-808-2119, Facebook.com slash Farzee Vasugian, at Farzee21 on Twitter, at ZStegenga on Twitter as well. A couple of injury notes to go over, and I don't want to touch on these too much. We can discuss this more, Zach, when we get to our breakdown, because I think that would be a significant time to maybe bring these up. But LaShawn McCoy, uh, he had his MRI comeback. Nothing too serious. Has a good chance of playing on Sunday in the home opener against the Ravens, which might be pretty rainy. Uh, We'll get into that later as well. Eric Fisher, on the other hand, do not expect him to play this week. Do not expect him to play anytime soon, as he is going to have muscle core surgery and he is out indefinitely. Cam Irving core will start. muscle surgery. That's I'm sorry. Say that different. again. Core muscle surgery. So he's having surgery on one of the muscles in the core, so like an ab or something like that. Okay, thank you. I did say muscle core surgery, so I appreciate you correcting me there. So yes, he is out indefinitely, though. So do not expect him back. No timetable as of right now when his return is going to be. Here is the biggest news, and it it doesn't actually have to do with the Chiefs on the field. It's more about the Chiefs off the field. Some pretty significant news here. I mentioned at the beginning of the show, KCTV5 is now suffering from that Tyree Kill coverage. How? They are no longer the official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs. And you might be wondering, almost all the regular season games are on Channel 5. Yes, if you're in Kansas City, it'll still be on Channel 5. But what does that mean, that they're no longer the official broadcast partner? Channel 41, uh, the local NBC affiliate, KSHB, In Kansas City, they are now the new official broadcast partner, essentially meaning that they are going to broadcast all the local preseason games with the exception of any time. Sometimes you'll see ESPN or CBS or Fox do a national preseason game that they they might lose one of those games. But anytime there's a local preseason game, it's going to be on KSHB, not KCTV5. Now, I don't know how it is for other markets, Zach, but I think... You know, like the Patriots and Boston. I'm, I'm just guessing. I have no idea. I know they've got a big sports network in NESN. I, I believe that's more Red Sox related. I could be wrong, but um, I'm going to guess the Patriots preseason games are on whatever CBS affiliate is in Boston. I'm going to guess that the Giants, because they're an NFC team, most of their games are, are on Fox. I'm guessing their preseason games would be on Fox. I think a lot of teams try to align that with what channel their games are going to be on most of the time in the regular season. So obviously AFC teams, they're going to be on CBS most of the times. NFC teams, most of the times they're on Fox. The Chiefs have always been on KCTV5 for their preseason games, honestly, since I can remember. And now that's no longer the case. And anybody who wants to say it's just a coincidence, oh no, it is absolutely not. I I saw some of the rumors out there that the Chiefs were seeking a new broadcast partner because of Casey Clark, the news director, who was not one bit apologetic 
for the Tyreek Hill coverage. And look, man, I'm still angry about that to this day as a journalism major. I mean, that's just slander. That is defamation. It's fake news. That is what that is. And I know Angie Ricono, the reporter, I was having a conversation about this with somebody since that incident. Uh, she has not had one standalone tweet. She actually did have one. It had to do with one of her stories, and she got slammed by fans on Twitter. Uh, she doesn't even do standalone tweets anymore. She only does retweets and responses. Look, you display poor journalism, you're going to pay the consequences. These preseason games are a big deal, and even though they're boring as hell, they still bring the ratings. And you want to sit here and say who cares about the preseason? That is not the conversation they're having at the KCTV5 newsroom. And look, I mean, the sports reporters there, Tom Martin and Dan and Hughes, they even confirmed on Twitter that they would not be back the following year, next year, to do any preseason coverage, uh, to do any of those pregame shows. And by the way, those side shows like the Chiefs Insider Show, sponsored by hy V, that's now going to be on KSHB. Used to be on KCTV 5. I know this doesn't mean a lot for those who are out of town like like yourself, Zach, but a lot of people care about that stuff. Uh, people like to watch those shows, and... TV stations want to be the, the official broadcast partner of their local NFL team. And man, that is a big blow if you are KCTV5 and you're suffering the consequences for it. Yeah, and all you really had to do was say you're sorry. That's really it. Like, it was just one, like, accept, take accountability for this. You know what bothers me? And I know, look, I, I'm guilty of jumping the gun on this. We've gone over this. But here's why I was so sold that KCTV5 was telling the truth, Zach. I don't know if you watched their broadcast when the audio tape came out, but they had, I believe they had an attorney, like some expert attorney on the set with them, basically, you know, sealing up Tyree Kill's fate. And I'm thinking, mm-hmm. wow, okay, this is real. Like, not only do they have this audio tape, they've got a lawyer here talking about this. Um, their producers, man, uh, I mean, they were talking about how there was evidence that, you know, Crystal Espinel was assaulted again. It's like they never even showed why. And they really basked in the coverage for that. And boy, man, shame on them because that is that is below the belt, dirty in the paint journalism right there. And I just can't respect that. And quite honestly, they got what they deserved. 100%. So did Brooke Pryor. <laughs> yeah, her comments uh, on that podcast, yeah, that's uh, one, one thing uh, in and of itself. But... Hopefully everyone's learned from that. I know she's with ESPN doing big, bigger things. Good for her. Uh, by what? the way, did you see Tyreek Hill retweet this, the news? That I KSHB? love the level of shade that that throws. Like it's just subtle, but he also just gets the opportunity to kind of get his in. Because I mean, honestly, it's it is to his credit in a lot of ways the fact that he didn't you know come out a little harder against the fact that you know look realistically, man, like. You know, these guys were out there screwing with his livelihood when it's all said and done. I mean, you know, that's not something you can really take sitting down and props to him for doing so. I'm I'm obviously pretty confident that that's, uh, you know, the the line that the organization, his agent, all the above would have him take. But, you know, to be able to get that little retweet in and have a little fun with it, you know, it's good to see that, I guess. You know, I did have an issue with Tyree Kill's explanation for, you know, the the punching thing how he tried to cover that with you know dressing up as marvel characters and lightly tagging like there's a look i mean we were all kids in school we all pretended to be you know star wars characters power rangers and we would do like those imaginary fights but there's a difference between lightly tagging and uh and 
quote unquote punching. It's like you know, I didn't. I don't really. I, I took issue with his comments. I've gone over that before. I also kind of took issue with um, how in his press conference he kept having to deflect a lot of questions, but in the end he was like, you know. My, my story's going to be someone's testimony one day, man. And he just walked off the set, and it's like, he retweets this story. And it's like, look, players don't care at all about these kinds of things. They just don't. They have other things to worry about. But for Tyreek Hill to retweet that, man, that's the most savage retweet you could find. That was the same day he reached out to Jalen Ramsey. It's like, Tyreek Hill having way too much fun on Twitter on a Tuesday. <laughs> way too Which, much fun. to be fair, that's also probably what happens when you're you know, sitting injured and not in, you know, in that, that is or in true. Meetings, all the above, like that, you have a little more time true. to tweet. Yeah, probably has a little bit more time than uh, I probably gave him credit for. But yeah, um, that is uh, the story with uh, Channel Five and props to Forty One. Uh, I'm sure uh, other TV stations tried to make their case, and Forty One emerged as the uh, favorite there. By the way, uh, speaking of Tyree Kill, did you see the video that he shared on YouTube and on social media? Sure did. Yeah, so this is very interesting. Um, I'm not going to play the whole clip. and But by the way, I don't know exactly what this is. I'm sure this was on hold during the whole child abuse uh, allegation. But Ch- Tyree Kill has like some sort of YouTube channel. And I guess he's got like his own video vlogs uh, that he does on there. Or video blogs, vlogs, whatever you call that. Um, admittedly, I've never watched those videos. He did share a short clip on YouTube and on social media where he gave a heartfelt thank you. To Chiefs fans. Uh, it's about two and a half minutes. I retweeted it. And it's also on uh, my Facebook page. Go check it out. But if you haven't. I want to play 50 seconds of that. Listen carefully to what he says. I'm going to start with my teammates first man. Because I feel like those are the most important relationships. Uh, my teammates have been great man. Patrick, Travis, um, Dieter, D-Rob, Sammy, McCole. I mean, I can keep naming, man, and the list goes on. Cause I got a, I got a real strong bond with everybody on the team. I really ain't started appreciating the game till, to probably when I, almost had the game taken away from me. You know what I'm saying? And that's when it really clicked with me that, I really need to start being thankful for the things that I got in front of me. You know what I'm saying? My attributes being included. So, I just really started loving the game, appreciating the game, and appreciating the people that put me in this position to play the game that I love, you know what I'm saying, the Clark family, Coach Reed, Brett Veach, you know what I'm saying, all of those guys putting that putting that trust and faith in me, you know what I'm saying, to go out each Sunday and do what I got to do. Okay, so if you noticed, he did he did pull a Dwayne Bow at one point, calling them the Clarks, which, look, okay, I mean, he's not the first person to do that. Uh, but he did refer to how, you know, uh, how he almost – had this game taken away from him and i think we all know what he is referring to by the way this is not like some video that was filmed during right after the afc championship game uh and i say this because he's given shout outs to mccall hardman in this so this is obviously like fairly recent i don't know exactly when obviously it was before his injury because he's not in a sling in this video um but he talks about having this game almost taken away from him now i don't want to get into this because i don't know all the facts and i think i don't think anyone does but i know there are some court cases going on right now with his ex-fiance. Again, I'll leave it at that. I know he's taking care of that. Um, you know, really big turn of events for Tyreek Hill because right after the draft, we all thought his career was done. Adam Schefter, right after the McCole Hartman draft pick, was saying that his career could be in jeopardy. And then we see him in training camp get probably 
a bigger ovation than Mahomes, and everyone's chanting his name when he goes over to sign autographs. Uh, I know right now, not the greatest sound for Tyreek Hill given the injury, but even when McCole Hardman and Demarcus Robinson, when they're out there getting touchdowns, he's out over there celebrating. I mean, he's happy for these guys, even though he's on the sidelines. Um, what a real big turn of events for Tyreek Hill. I know he probably saw the lowest of lows, and now he's on the highest of highs, minus his injury, but... Man, was he really happy at training camp when he had all those people chanting Tyreek, Tyreek, Tyreek. Uh, big changes, of course. Absolutely. Now just here's hoping that he can you know, actually celebrate the highest of possible highs in the NFL. Yeah, uh, and then that will yeah, that'll come in February, hopefully. And a lot, of, um, a lot of promise there. Hopefully the Chiefs can make it to January. Speaking of January, uh, that is the expect- expectation for sure for Kansas City. But there are other teams out there that are wanting to make it to January. Zach, we're going to do uh, things a little bit differently. We're not going to do an around the NFL segment, but we're going to go around the NFL in a different manner, though. Uh, We're going to have a couple of segments here. We're going to talk about teams that are doing well right now, and we're also going to talk about teams that aren't doing so well right now and what the end result could be for both teams. So let's hit the music. Zach, you have the floor, my friend. All right, let's get this started with the, uh, you know, what we'll call the contenders versus pretenders uh, segment. Uh, and you know we've got a couple of teams here. Uh, went ahead and went around the NFL, picked about five of them that have been off to a you know most of them off to a solid start. Uh, one and you know these are all people that we either you know have come to see might be a potential contender or are ones that we thought were a contender at the beginning of the year that maybe we've got some questions about. Uh, so as we run through this. Y'all, I'm just going to ask you kind of your thoughts as to whether you think they're going to be sitting there in January or not. Uh, and to lead it off, I want to start with one of the teams that honestly, like, I had been, you know, not paying a ton of attention to and was very surprised to see them in, like, the top five in most, I mean, certainly in points uh, points scored and then point differential against their opponents, the uh, San Francisco 49ers, Ooh, who are yeah. a 2-0 start, um, but actually, you know, are ahead of the Chiefs in terms of you know, total points scored, uh, and then also, again, the point differential against their opponents. Uh, what do you think, Farz? you think they're a contender or a pretender? Boy, um, I, I still think the jury's out on Gro- I'm going pretender. Uh, the jury's still out there on Jimmy Garoppolo. I know he went 3-1 and one with the Patriots, but hey, look, I mean, Matt Castle went 11-5 and five with the Patriots also, so uh, I guess quarterbacks in New England, it doesn't matter who you are, uh, you seem to do really well there. Uh, I'm still not sold on Jimmy Garoppolo. I, I, there's still a lot I want to know, and as of right now, I'm not too sold on the 49ers just yet, so I'm going to go pretender on that one. All right, that's fair. Uh, I mean, I'm also going to go pretender on that, not necessarily because I don't think they can do it, but just because like they're in a tough division, man. Like Right now in that division, you got three teams that are sitting at 2-0, and uh, and I think that you know, ultimately they're not going to be enough to beat the Rams and, you know, I'll take uh, Russell Wilson over Jimmy Garoppolo most times. So, All right. So after the uh, 49ers, we have another surprise 2-0 team, the Buffalo Bills. Oh, Buffalo Bills. Look, um, they're not in the toughest division, so second place is certainly a possible option. Um, okay, I've got to admit, I, I don't have the schedule in front of me. Who have they played? They played. That's a really good they question. Played the, they played the Jets. They played the Jets. Yeah, they came uh, back in that game. And then, who did they play last week? I should in week in two, yeah. Uh, look, let me just say this. Uh, they're going to play the Patriots twice. 
Uh, I'm not really, <laughs> I'm not too sold on that yet. Um, here's what yeah, I think with the by Patriots. the same token, you know, yeah, they'll play the Patriots twice, sure, but they also get to play the Dolphins twice. Yeah, that is very true. Look, maybe they can compete. I'll give them that. Uh, you know, we've seen this before with the Bills, with different front office members, different head coaches, where they have shown some competitive spirit, but they just don't get there in the end. They've had a lot of... A lot of strong strengths in certain areas, but at the end of the day, they just haven't been able to make that push. Um, man, they're close. I'm going to go Pretender on that one as well. That's fair. Uh, also, just found out they, they did beat both New York teams. They got the Jets in week one in a 17-16 squeaker. Oh, that is right. Uh, and then okay. got the Giants by two touchdowns last week. So, uh, you know, they're owning the uh, you know battle for New York at the moment. <laughs> uh, I'll be honest. I think that, you know, well, don't get me wrong. I'm going to call them the contender here for the purposes of saying, like, I think they will be the sixth seed in the playoffs uh, just because of their division, and I think that they'll be able to sneak in. Yeah, the AFC is kind of looking weird all of a sudden with a lot of people getting hurt. Um, yeah, for sure. So, yeah, with that in mind, I think the Bills actually have a shot to uh, you know make the playoffs this year. I mean, I don't think that they're going to be sitting there come you know, AFC championship time. If they do, that's because Josh Allen has – you had an MVP caliber season, and I'm not going to bet the farm on that. But, uh, yeah, I'm going to go with a contender on this one. Next up, we have the uh, Tennessee Titans, who are actually, you know, off to a pretty solid start. Yeah, uh, they are. They're, I mean, they're still 1-1, one one, don't get me wrong. But the uh, yeah, when you look at their point differential, I mean, they're the only ones in their division with a positive one. You know, they've, you know, uh, outscored their opponents by 28 over the last two games. Now, mind you, one of those was a loss still, but yeah. What do you think of the Titans, Forrest? You know, Mariota's got to get going at some point. I- I'm a believer in Mike Vrabel. I really am. Uh, I-, I like what he's been able to do so far. Uh, Mariota, uh, look, a big reason why they fired Doug Marone, despite coming back against Kansas City in that playoff game, Marcus Mariota had a terrible year, yet they still somehow made it to the playoffs that year. Um, but that was not enough to, uh, to 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 keep him around in uh, in Tennessee. So, uh, you know, I, I don't know if they're going to become a contender this year. I definitely think they're going to compete also. But I think that is a team. I think once Mariota and Vrabel can establish more rapport and they can build a better offense, I think they're going to be a contender for years to come. This year, I think they're going to fall just short. So I'm going to go. Uh, I'm going to go uh, no go on that one. I'm going to say Pretender. That's fair. Uh, I think I'm going to actually go, uh, I don't know, it's, it's kind of tough to decide. You know, this is, with, with the AFC, you know, it's, it's already looking pretty clear as to, well, with the exception of, I guess, the AFC South. You know, you, you know that there's, you know, going to be that handful of teams. There's at least four you've got kind of pegged for the playoffs. The real question is, is who's going to get that sixth spot and who's going to win the AFC South? I don't think the AFC South gets two teams into the playoffs. Uh, but it wouldn't shock me if the Titans managed to win it because Houston looks a whole lot more vulnerable than I expected. Uh, I'm going to go Pretender for now, but I think that's going to be an interesting team to watch moving forward. Uh, next team that we've got for this is one that you know people were crowning at the beginning of the season, um, certainly by virtue of all the moves they made in the offseason, but then they came out and you know laid an egg against those same Titans that we've talked about. What do you make of the Browns, Fars? Boy, uh, I mean, they had a really bad showing in week one, but man, they looked a lot better the uh, the second time around. Um, you know, I'm, I'm going to stick to my preseason 
prediction on this one. I'm going to say, I'm going to say contender. Uh, I'm a believer in what they have right now in Baker Mayfield and Odell Beckham Jr. I think this offense is a lot better. Uh, Freddie Kitchens, uh, you know, I'm still surprised that Greg Williams didn't get the head coaching gig there. I know uh, Greg Williams being criticized for other things, but that's a topic for another time. As far as this offense goes, I like what they're going to get. And, you know, Kareem Hunt, let's not forget about him, of course. Uh, He'll be coming back. Now, what kind of a running back will he be without the offensive guru, especially at the the running back position in in, uh, Andy Reid? So I'm not exactly sure. By the way, uh, fumble on my part. I said... uh, Doug Marone, it was Mike Mularkey who the Titans fired, so I do want to correct myself on that, but uh, as far as the Browns go, I'm going to go contender, I'm going to stick to my preseason gut there, and I think uh, week one, they look terrible, but I think they'll learn from it, and they already bounced back really strong, so uh, this is a team that's going to go out there and uh, make a lot of noise, Uh, I, I think once Kareem Hunt comes back, yeah, what kind of a running back will he be, that is a big question mark, I think he'll be able to help them out and make that big push in the second half of the season. It'll sure be interesting. I think ultimately, like, you know, their fates, you know, much like the Bears, their fate is tied to the quarterback in that, you know, if Baker Mayfield can quit throwing interceptions, I think they can do some really, really uh, impressive things. But uh, I think for the moment, you know, they're going to be, you know, I'm going to call them a contender, but they're, you know, going to be fighting for that wild card spot just the same. I'm not going to, you know, peg them for winning their division. It's certainly not at the moment. Uh, And then the last one we've got, uh, it's the Green Bay Packers, who are sitting at 2-0, but, uh, you know, recognizing that one of those victories was that absolute snoozer against the Bears. Here's what I'll say. Uh, you can you, you can only play who you play on your side. I, I know they look bad, but um, I'm going to go contender. They've definitely proven me wrong so far to start off the year, and, you know, low-scoring, boring game or not. Uh, a win is a win in the NFL. It absolutely is. I think Aaron Rodgers may be on a bit of, bit of a groove. I know the last two years, obviously not up to Green Bay standards. Uh, below 500 for uh, back-to-back seasons for the first time in what? I, I know we said it before, but I don't have that in front of me. It's been a long, long time since that's happened for the Packers. That's obviously not the standard there in Green Bay. So they're off to a good start. Um, they're off to a much better start in the Matt LaFour era and... Hopefully they can keep it this way for their sake because they always have those high expectations. I know they're going to be coming to uh, Kansas City in a couple of weeks, and that's going to be a big test. How, how will the Chiefs defense do against them, and how will they do against uh, Kansas City uh, and Arrowhead? That's going to be a lot of fun to watch. But for right now, I'm going to go contender. I think the Packers have proven a lot to me. I know I, I, I picked the Bears to win that division. Uh, I'm not too, too sure on that. I know people are being harsh on Trubisky, although I, I, I think he'll have a better season to finish off. But... Uh, Packers have kind of uh, taken the uh, lead right now. So I got to say contender. Hard to say not. That's fair. Um, The thing that impresses me about the Packers, I'm also going to say they're a contender. But if you had told me that they would be, you know, know, within the top five uh, in, you know, either points for and points against and, you know, bottom five in the other, I would have probably told you they'd be top five in points scored and bottom five in points against, you know, tops in offense, bottom in defense, kind of like, you know, a team that we know and love from last year, but in all reality, that's the that's the exact opposite. Uh, the Packers are currently sitting at number two uh, behind only the Patriots when it comes to points allowed. But you know, take the Patriots with a grain of salt there because they got to play the Dolphins, um, and so yeah, I'm impressed by the fact that it looks like really the Packers defense seems to be much improved over years past. And then you know, you can't bet against Aaron Rodgers. So between those two things. I think we're in agreement there uh, on the contenders. So, 
Uh, you know, that's the contender or pretender segment. You know, definitely send us your thoughts if you're, uh, you know, disagreeing with us. We're happy yes. to, uh, you know, discuss that with you. But then the next segment, I think, is also kind of a fun one. Um, you know, there's, you know, we've, we've talked about some of the teams who have gotten off to a hot start. Now let's talk about some of the teams who have uh, struggled a little bit out of the gate. You know, we've got, you know, call it, you know, I think there's like seven teams, eight, no, no, nine teams, my bad. Nine teams who have started out 0-2. Uh, and of those, you know, statistically speaking, some of them got a rebound. So, uh, you know, I want your thoughts on this one, Fars. Uh, you know, the team that we uh, saw in week one, the Jaguars, uh, you know, started off 0-2, lost Nick Foles. You think they can rebound and, uh, you know, make it to, uh, you know, either a playoff spot or certainly at least get get it back to 500? No. Uh, I mean, with Jalen Ramsey on the move, whether he comes to Kansas City or not or, or goes elsewhere, I mean, he, he just doesn't seem motivated to play there. His comments have already made that pretty clear. I'm curious to see how he looks Thursday night. I, I mean, if he has a big game, it, people are going to say, well, it's because he wants to uh, get a team to, to, to basically force a team to make a move for him. Uh, if he doesn't, people are going to say, well, he's lethargic and he doesn't want to play for them anymore. And look, Gardner Mitchell, I know he chewed up that Chiefs defense, but did not look really good this past week. So I, I think this is uh, unfortunately the doom and gloom situation right now. Uh, morale is, is really low. When you have Jalen Ramsey making comments like that, and I know he and his agent, they say they didn't leak it, fine. Uh, I mean, the damage has already been done. And I, I just think it's hard to bounce back from that. Totally fair. I think I've been, you know, the same boat here. The thing that was tough about, you know, finding five for this is that, you know, you realistically you've got teams like the Giants, the Dolphins, uh, the Bengals, and to a lesser extent, you know, I think even, you know, you could make a case for the uh, Redskins that we kind of knew were going to be contending more for a top five pick in the draft this year. Um, but, you know, one of those teams has actually surprised a little bit. I mentioned the Redskins. Uh, you know, they're top ten in the offensive department uh, this year, Fars. You know, do you think that they uh, – you know, have what it takes to make a little bit of a run? Oh, uh, man, I'm not sure. Uh, I, so far, as you mentioned, uh, not too bad offensively speaking as a unit, but still got a lot of work to be done. When you're not winning football games, it's, it's going to become hard. And, and look, you're in a division where you've got the Philadelphia Eagles and the Dallas Cowboys, and I think that right there, to me, is a big reason why they won't make it. Too many tough games in that division right there, and it's going to make it tough for them to become competitors there. So I don't think they bounce back. I'm with you. I think that, you know, the fact that they've, uh, you know, still had the, uh, you know, fighting Case Keenums, uh, you know, he's he's still, you know, we haven't seen any of Dwayne Haskins yet, so, uh, oh, okay. you know, I'm, I'm with you in that I don't think they've got quite what it takes just because, like you said, that's two really tough teams, which, to be fair, are their two losses um, to the Cowboys and Eagles, respectively. Uh, but, yeah, I also don't think that that team is going to be uh, – in contention, but they have some interesting pieces that they might be relevant sooner than later for their play on the field as opposed to their owner's antics and the name off the field. Uh, Alright, so next one I've got for a rebound candidate. What do you make of the Jets, Fars? I mean, obviously with Sam Darnold going down with Mono, you know, that's a little bit of a disappointment, but you know, they were really close against the Bills in week one, um, and then obviously this past week, you know, got kind of smoked by the Browns. But again, they're without their quarterback. You think they have what it takes to rebound? No, I, even even with their quarterback, I'm not a, I'm not so sold on the Jets. I know uh, historically they've had a good defense, but that hasn't even gone down. Uh, just hasn't been going their way. I know a lot of bad luck, and 
they just haven't showed a lot of competitive strength. In the second half of that game against the Buffalo Bills, I, I mean, they just looked terrible blowing that lead. And then, as you just said, Monday Night Football, they got shellacked right there. Uh, not necessarily on the scoreboard, but they just showed absolutely no fight in that game. And the Browns didn't need to go out there and score so much. So I, I don't think the Jets bounce back either. I mean, to be fair, they were on, like, their third-string quarterback because Trevor Simeon busted his ankle up. You know, I don't know. I think that they might have a chance. Um, they were a team that I was a little high on coming into the year, and I think the defense is strong. It's just a question of can Sam Darnold, you know, really get the job done. I don't think he'll be able to totally overcome it. I mean, realistically, they they and the Bills are two very similar teams in my book. You know, pretty strong young defense uh, and two really young quarterbacks that we're not sure what we have. Um, so I guess, you know, my preseason predictions are going to be a little off because I think the Buffalo Bills will still uh, take the Jets' spot in that second place in the AFC East. Um, hoping we can get you on this one, Farz, that, you know, it's a team that might actually have a shot at rebounding. What do you make of Cam Newton and his silly little bonnet and uh, the Carolina Panthers? Yeah, it looks like something my great-grandmother wore many, many years ago. Uh, I, look, I wish Cam Newton would pour, put more effort on the field uh, like he does with his uh, choice of fashion. Um, but nonetheless, uh, someone we're going to discuss. You and I are we're not the fashion experts by any stretch. Uh, as far as the- No, but I don't think he'd catch either of us wearing a freaking bonnet either. No, or a shawl not. or whatever that head wrap thing was. Uh, you know, showing up also in a tie with those shorts. I mean, come on, get out of here with that. Uh, anyway, um, look... Uh, I really like Cam Newton. I think he does a lot of good things on the field, but he's really different. He's not the same Cam Newton that they were when they almost had an undefeated regular season and went to the Super Bowl and lost to the uh, to the Broncos. And at this stage right now, it's like, you know, what kind of football team are the Panthers? And they don't have that same aggressiveness they once had. Uh, so so the player, Kelvin Benjamin, who came to Kansas City briefly last year. Um, I mean, even then, uh, I mean, y- y- you had guys like that who are no longer uh, doing things that they were able to do. And that's why you parted ways with them. You got Ron Rivera, who may have kind of lost his locker room in a little bit. Uh, not exactly sure. I like Ron Rivera. I think he was one of the greatest defensive minds out there that eventually became a head coach. And I think he does a lot of great things uh, for, for the Panthers, or has done a lot of great things for the Panthers. And they're kind of low right now. Look, Maybe they can compete for a playoff spot. I don't think you're you're going to see them playing games in January in the playoffs, but I think they'll bounce back. But man, uh, Cam Newton's just got to be in his older form. Uh, his what, what what year was it when they went to the Super Bowl? 2015. Got to be in that 2015 like form. Um, we just haven't seen it in a while. Uh, that's what I want to see. And if we see more of that, yeah, I'm inclined to say that they can make a comeback and play in the playoffs. But until then, I think they're going to fall just short. See the way I'm looking at this, you know they. So, of all the divisions so far, yeah, I was looking at these numbers. Uh, you look at the point differential, right, uh, over the course of the last, you know, only two weeks, but still. Uh, there is one division in which not one of the teams has a positive point differential. They all, you know, have, you know, have it somewhere in the negatives, and that's the NFC South in which the Panthers play. Uh-huh. Uh, and realistically, like, they were pretty close uh, against the Bucks there. Like, if they had just... You know, been smart enough to you know hammer Cam in at the goal line instead of getting cute. Um, you know, realistically, we're probably talking about a one and one team uh, that just defeated a divisional opponent. And so, I think that you know, they, the, I think they've got a chance because if you look at their division, I mean, you've got Matt Ryan and the Falcons, who 
you know, with Drew Brees' injury, probably just the assumed favorite status in that division. But, you know, realistically, I think that, you know, the Panthers can absolutely make a game of it. Their defense is salty, and, uh, you know, they've got Christian McCaffrey, who's also one of the most dynamic weapons you've got in the league right now. So I think they might be able to recover. Uh, And then last, but, you know, I guess now on this podcast, they're also the least. Uh, The the team that realistically, the other one that could have very easily been one and one, what do you make of the Broncos, Fars? You think they can get back to 500? Look, they're I, not I, a playoff spot in our division. That's a given. But I, I know, what do you think? I know they got screwed over with the officiating. But look, it happens to every team. It happened to the Saints. It happened to the Chiefs. Uh, it, it, more specifically, with that Chris Jones, you know, roughing on Brady's shoulder or whatever it was. Uh, every team has bad calls. It just happens. Um, and at the end of the day, they went for two, and that was a gutsy move. So. They're, they don't have any excuses. Look, I'm not a believer in Joe Flacco, okay? There's a reason why the Ravens moved on and went on with Lamar Jackson, who is, of course, going to become an Arrowhead. And he's doing big things right now with the Ravens, bringing them to Arrowhead this weekend. Uh, I, I'm just not a believer in Joe Flacco anymore. I think his best years are way behind him. He's not going to bounce back. The Broncos are not going anywhere. They are competing for the number one pick in the NFL draft. Now, that's that was my mindset before the year. I think the Dolphins, possibly the Steelers, uh, maybe the Jaguars, they're going to finish with a worse record. But no, the Dolphins, are, or excuse me, the uh, Broncos are only going to win a couple of football games. It's just, they're in a situation right now where, uh, I mean, how can you even be optimistic, even if you're the biggest home, Broncos homer out there? I just don't see any reason why. Uh, I, I'd sit here and say that the Broncos are going to bounce back. There's just no way. I mean, that's fair. I think that, you know, realistically, they're stronger than I think a lot of people give them credit for, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Um, and Flacco has been not great, but, you know, certainly made the plays uh, that he needed to. And I think that, you know, you might be able to gel with that receiving core. The only question is, can they keep from, uh, you know, holding to keep Flacco upright? That's going to be the real question. Um but well, there you have it. You know, guess we don't believe too much in rebounds, save no. for, save for potentially the Carolina Panthers. But realistically, when you look at the teams that you know stumbled out of the gate, I mean, there's a lot of others that we kind of knew were stumbling out of the gate. I mean, the Dolphins are on a historically bad pace at the moment. So, yeah, the funny thing about that is, uh, you know, if you look at the point differentials again, right? Uh, the worst team in NFL history within the 16-game season, to be clear, was the uh, you know, 1981 or two Baltimore Colts. Should have written that down, but it's one of those. And their you know average margin of loss was 17 points on the year uh, with you know a 92-point differential in two weeks. The Dolphins are well on pace to eclipse that. Um, you know They're going to have to really get their stuff together if they want to avoid making history as the arguably worst team to ever take the field uh, you know it'd be kind of interesting for the Dolphins to have both you know arguably the best in that they had the team that you know had a perfect record uh, and then this year possibly make history with the worst team uh, could be interesting yeah I remember they almost went 0-16 I think it was what 2007 yeah I think it definitely happens this time around uh, we're gonna get into our Chiefs and Ravens preview in just a moment and we'll also read a couple of your texts as well afterwards to wrap up the show but for right now we are joined by Daniel Harms from arrowheadguys.com he is a film analyst 
for ArrowheadGuys.com. Does a tremendous job with the website there. We're going to talk to him about the website, what Arrowhead Guys is about later on as well. But get his thoughts on what he's seen on film with the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, give him a follow on Twitter at D underscore Harms 19 on Twitter. Daniel Harms is joining us here on the podcast. Daniel, thanks for being with us. How are you? I'm oh, good, you know, just uh, trying to get this going. Yes, we have. We, we did have some technical issues before we got started. So, it's technology, man. What can you say? 2019. Um, but hey, uh, we're making it work one way or another. Uh, let's start things off here. Uh, a lot of things I want to get into with you. Uh, the Jalen Ramsey thing. I mean, I, that went crazy on Tuesday. I know a couple of Chiefs players tweeted him. Jason Lockenfora talked about how the Chiefs are currently the favorites right now. Uh, doesn't seem like anything's going to happen this week, but you never know. Um, a lot of people are expecting this to happen. Uh, will it? That's a separate discussion, but let's just stick on the uh, fact of, you know, what can he bring to the table? I know you've sp- spent some time studying some game film on him. Uh, what do you see? What specifically do you think Jalen Ramsey could do coming to Kansas City? What, what kind of an impact will he make? Well, Jalen Ramsey is a premier lockdown corner in the NFL. There's no two ways about it. So he basically wants to play man defense. He's not a big fan of zone. So you could really have just plug him into the defense and have him play man wherever he is and scheme around him. They kind of did that a little bit with Ward on Sunday against the Raiders. He's much more comfortable in man, so they had a man up against the guy and they schemed around him. So it's not so much a matter of fit because you, you can easily make it fit. It's just going to be a, a, a matter of if the Chiefs decide to go ahead and sacrifice some of their future uh draft picks to do it and you know with Brett Veach you never know at this point but yeah he's definitely a, a great corner and he would be a, a great asset to this defense yeah for sure and we've seen the Chiefs pull those kinds of moves before trading up to get Patrick Mahomes giving up a draft pick just recently to get Frank Clark so we'll see uh if the Chiefs feel like he'd be worth two first round draft picks I also want to ask you about Patrick Mahomes uh look Obviously, everyone goes crazy about him and all the things that he does on the field. But I want to ask you, from the two games that we've had so far, what differences are you seeing in Patrick Mahomes' game this year compared to last year? Are there any differences in his game this year? I mean, he's definitely uh, up to his ability to adjust and react to defenses, in my opinion. I actually just had a, an article released at Arrowhead Guys on Wednesday about his ability to adapt to a defense and we saw it in the, against the Raiders really he came out and he was a little uncomfortable whether it had to do with his ankle or just the way that the Raiders were playing a little more physical and trying to get to him with the blitz uh, but he, he was a little uncomfortable and made some some throws that you don't you don't really see out of him all the time some overthrows so whether or not he was uncomfortable with his ankle or just moving in the pocket his kind of kind of thing really really wasn't working very well and then immediately in the second quarter he comes out and Andy Reid messes around with the scheme a little bit on offense and then you see him throw the touchdown to DeMarcus Robinson who was wide open so I think he's become more comfortable deciphering defenses on the go instead of having to wait till like the second half that we saw in the AFC championship game but he's an even more accurate passer which is is incredible enough to say out loud because you know he saw that touchdown to Travis Kelsey on Sunday and he threw it 
and only the place where Travis Kelsey could get it. He threw it right over the corner and before the safety that was coming over to help get there. Obviously, Kelsey made a great, a great catch and never take anything away from that. But it's clear that Mahomes has emphasized being accurate on in all all of his throws and trying to get excuse me trying to become more I guess quick get quicker in understanding what a defense is doing and I think we saw that and against the Raiders on Sunday I had no intention of wanting to ask you this until I saw Pro Football Focus put out a really interesting tweet about Cam Irving, who filled in for Eric Fisher very early in the game, and we know Eric Fisher is going to be out indefinitely for now. Uh, but Cam Irving, uh, according to Pro Football Focus, best pass blocker in all of Week Two, and the worst run blocker in all of Week Two. Uh, very rare do you see that kind of performance from an offensive lineman. So I ask you. In going back and watching that game against the Jaguars, can you agree with their grading right there? Best pass blocker and worst run blocker in in, in, in week two of the NFL? Yeah, it's it's funny because that's really indicative of how Cam Irving has played most of his career as a Chief. Coming over, he you know he wasn't all that great to begin with. That's why the Browns traded him away, and he came in and played left guard, and he wasn't you know he wasn't anything special. But when I watched film of him last year, he was a much more bounded pass blocker than I would have expected. I thought he would be a little bit, you know, more kind of just middle of the road on both ends, but he was actually very good uh, at pass protection, and we saw that on Sunday. It took a little while for him to get acclimated to the offense, as any player that comes off the bench takes a little bit of time, but after a few series of helping him get more comfortable, the offensive line would kind of shift over to the left and kind of help him with some of the blocks if need be, or they would chip, they would bring you know, Bell in, and he would help chip a little bit, or Kelsey help chip, and bring running backs out and do the same thing. But then, you know, he just, he settled in, and he got very comfortable with stunts. You see him picking up some of the stunts that the Raiders' defensive line was thrown at him, and he really kept Patrick Mahomes clean for most of the game. And he, he didn't really have that many bad snaps and pass protection. Granted, he was really quite awful in run run de- uh, excuse me in run blocking but the line as a whole outside of the Mitchell Schwartz has not been very good this year and I think it's got a lot to do with losing Mitch Morse that chemistry that the offensive line had you know it was basically the same offensive line for a few years in a row they lose all of that now they have to gain all of that back and in run protection I think it's a little bit more important than it is in pass pro you're kind of one on one or you kind of have to see how the defensive lines attacking you or the blitz are coming but no Cam Irving was definitely the best pass pass protection tackle in all of football that's awesome to hear and I guess you know, one of the things that you know, you know I've always appreciated as you know I follow you know, on Twitter and I get smarter every time that you know you publish some of that uh you know video analysis uh I'd be interested to hear your perspective you know who do you think are some of the most underrated players the Chiefs have at the moment, both on the offensive and defensive side of the ball? Well, on offense, you got to go with my guy, Sammy Watkins. And I know that he didn't have the best game on, on Sunday against the Raiders, but he was targeted 13 times. And that obviously has a lot to do with uh, Hill not being in the offense. But he's just such an underappreciated player because of how often he's injured. And I, I get it. He's not on the field, so he doesn't produce as much as you 
you think a former first round draft pick would, but he's still got all the skills. We've seen, we saw it in the first week. He is faster than he's ever been. I think he's still running exceptional routes. He's a, he's a top 10 route runner in the NFL and he's top five yards after catch. We saw that in the Jags game too. He just split the defense and run at the end zone. So he's got all the talent. And now this year, with him being healthier than he ever has been, I think we're going to see him play more of a 14, 15 game season and possibly get to that thousand yard, you know, eclipse that thousand yard for the first time as a chief. I think we saw a little bit of Traverius Ward get comfortable on Sunday. And that has a lot to do with Steve Spagnuolo understanding that he's more comfortable in man. And we didn't hear his name a lot on Sunday. And that's something that I think you look for going when you're talking about a corner. And we saw Rashad Breland get beat early in the game. Fuller kind of had trouble keeping up with some of the shiftier receivers that the Raiders have. But you didn't hear much about Traverius Ward. He was just, he did his job. He played pretty soundly in coverage. And I think as a group, the corners tackled better than they have in recent memory. So going forward, I think. Charles Ward, if the Chiefs don't add another starting level corner, that he could actually end up being someone that anchors the outside. That would be an incredible step forward for the Chiefs, just because, again, you know, as Farz and I have you know done on this podcast regularly, you know, the corners are certainly something that give us pause. Um, I guess to flip back to the offensive side of the ball recognizing that obviously with Tyreek Hill being one of the most dynamic playmakers, if not the most dynamic playmaker uh, in the entire league, you know, one of the things that, you know, Andy is famous for is always, you know, getting, using a bunch of different decoys to get defenses kind of off balance and freeing up guys on one side of the formation or the other. Uh, Since, you know, given that we only have kind of a one game sample size here, I'd be curious, you know, what have you seen as far as, you know, how how have the uh, Chiefs gone about replacing some of that decoy production that Hill brought to the brought to the team, and how do you think we'll be able to sustain that moving forward? Well, we actually haven't seen a whole lot of it up until the second the second half of the Raiders game. I know they used um, Damian Williams a little bit with. But Demarcus Robinson touched on moving him a little bit over the formation. But we saw in the second half, McCall Hardman actually start to come a little bit more on jet sweeps, get in motion, and use the, I guess, the Tyreek Hill uh, shift moving around the backfield like that. And I think going forward, we're going to see him get a little bit, <clears throat> excuse me, get a little bit, a little bit more in on the offense in that kind of a, in that kind of a thing. We're going to see him shift. From one side of the line to the other, he's going to become more comfortable now that he's acclimating to the offense a little bit. Him and Patrick have already started to try to figure out how they're going to get on the same page. He was in the wrong position in one of the early passes that he <clears throat> attempted in the first in the first quarter. So I think that it's important for them to continue this kind of back and forth if someone runs the wrong route or he's not in the right place. They Mahomes continues to tell him that it's fine. Just remember, this is what you where you got to be, and <clears throat> they're definitely going to be using the running backs more. They're not going to have. They're probably going to have to use Hardman a lot more this Sunday if Damian Williams and Shady McCoy can't go. Because as much as you, we all like Darwin Thompson, I'm not entirely sure if he's the th- 
threat of a normal defense would think so. Whether you can split him out wide and use him in the pass game, we haven't really seen yet. But we know that McCall Hardman has that speed, that next level speed that defenses are actually afraid of. And now they really have to respect it with him essentially scoring two touchdowns, one being called back on that penalty. So I, I definitely think at least for the foreseeable couple of games, McCall Hardman is going to take over that uh, shift and motion guy that we see usually out of Tyreek Hill. Daniel Harms here with us on ArrowheadGuys.com. Check out his work there and follow him on Twitter at D underscore Harms19. Uh, so I've got to ask you, I know we've been talking a lot about the offense and how they they were going to do this all uh, during the offseason. Now here we are in the regular season. Uh, I mean, we saw Sammy Watkins have a big game. Travis Kelsey and Demarcus Robinson had big games on Sunday. Uh, I, I'm curious, uh, given now what we see from this offense and how it's starting to come into fruition, even without Tyreek Hill, how do you see this offense doing against the Ravens this Sunday? Well, the Ravens definitely present a more difficult defensive challenge than the Chiefs have faced this year, even though they have played the Jaguars. When you look at it, they weren't. They didn't seem ready for that game. The Chiefs came out and did essentially whatever they wanted to, and they picked on the Jaguars' corners all game. So we're going to see the Ravens are going to probably watch that game more so than the Raiders' game in terms of excuse me, scheme-wise to try to match up with the Chiefs' receivers. I think they're going to blitz a little bit more just because the only real way to get to Patrick Mahomes is to blitz. If you sit back in coverage, he'll still find the open man every single time. And these weapons, they just continue to reload. And that's why I think that McCall Hardman wasn't a replacement for either Sammy Watkins or Tyreek Hill in the, when he was drafted, just adding speed to this deep, to this offense, continuously adding speed makes it impossible to, to cover. You have Sam Watkins, Tyree Kill when he's healthy, Travis Kelsey, who's probably one of the fastest tight, tight ends in the NFL, and adding McCall Hardman. Now we have uh, Sean McCoy and Damian Williams. There's just so much speed all over the field that it's near impossible to cover for the first three seconds and after. The, the ball is snapped. So even though this is going to be more of a difficult challenge for the Chiefs on offense when it comes to the Ravens' defense, this is the home opener. They're going to come out slinging the ball, even if it's raining like it's supposed to in the forecast. They're going to throw it all over the field, and Mahomes is going to have another 300-plus yard game. I, I think we're going to see McCall Hardman get loose a couple times, too. So, I guess, you know, Flipping that switch a little bit, recognizing that you know on the defensive side of the ball, realistically the Ravens present you know a lot you know more substantial of a challenge than you know I mean just when you think about the mobility of Lamar Jackson versus say a Nick Foles or then Gardner Minshew uh, and then Derek Carr as well. How do you think the Chiefs are going to adjust to having the mobile quarterback who seems to have taken a step forward in his development? Yeah, that's uh, that's something that kind of scares me a little bit because we saw last year that the, the defense just wasn't up to stopping very stopping Lamar Jackson very well. Even though you know he was he wasn't as accurate as a, as a passer, but they really they ran down the defenses throughout all game. And luckily for them, in the overtime, they forced Lamar Jackson to throw the ball, which is what won the game for him. But now that he's taken that next step, as it, as it would seem, as a passer, he adds that element of you don't know 
how you're going to stop him. So the defense, I think, is going to have to spy him. And they're going to have to be physical with the Ravens receivers. There aren't any real world leaders out there on the Ravens uh, receiving core. They have Mark, you know, uh, excuse me, Marquise Brown, who's the fastest on the team. And he's probably going to be the one they have to key on and be the most physical with at the line of scrimmage to make sure he doesn't get loose. But I think we're going to see a little bit more scheming around preventing the deep shot and having them spy Jackson a little bit because he went off against the, excuse me, the who did they just play? Um, the Cardinals. He actually had a great running game against the Cardinals instead of so much through the air like he did against the Dolphins. So that there should tell you that we have to be prepared for both ends. We could we could get either one. So I guess they just got to be more physical and stop the run early and force Jackson to be be a quarterback the whole time and see if he can actually beat them. Last thing before we let you go, Daniel, uh, I know there are a lot of new Chiefs blogs and Chiefs podcasts out there, and uh, you know a lot of this is because the team is doing so well. A lot of people want to get in on the conversation in a in a big platform uh, and try to get out there, try to have a following. But you guys are, are really, and I'm not saying this just because you're on, but you guys have at Arrowhead guys done a tremendous job with your coverage and some of the articles you guys have done out there, the blogs. Uh, There's some pretty compelling work you guys have put together there, and I definitely think it's interesting, and people should definitely check it out. I, I kind of want to give you a chance to maybe plug Arrowhead guys and. You know, for anyone listening that maybe has not heard of the website or maybe they have heard of the website and just don't know what it's about and they think it may be just an ordinary, regular Chiefs blog. I mean, to talk to us a little bit. Uh, give us a little bit of insight what Arrowhead Guys is about and what can people expect when they go to your website? You know, there's been a big stigma around Chiefs Twitter for a while. That there's only one place to go for real information. And that's just really not true. And... When it comes down to it, we're all about the fans. This is not just, you know, every everyday Chiefs information stuff. We, we, we do this because this is what, one, we love to do, and we want to get people different perspectives instead of just having the, the one that most people go to. That's great and all, but to be more well-rounded as a fan, you got to have different perspectives. And we at Arrowhead guys believe in the fans and having – you know, the best, the best possible content out there is to continuously roam different areas. And I'm not saying that ours is the best content, even though it's the most fun, definitely. But when you come to Arrowhead, guys, it's just we're not going to close down comment sections. We're going to have everything be fluid. Everyone can come. Everyone's welcome. We're all going to talk just whatever you want to talk about. It's just about having fun. And the way that it's grown so fast is just having that, that base, that, that base fan base that is true to the, the site and has helped grow us. So I'm just really proud to be a part of this website and help it grow so fast. So if anyone's out there that, you know, hasn't actually stopped by the website, please do. It would be awesome. You can share it around with your friends too. Awesome. Great stuff, Daniel. Daniel Harms, arrowheadguys.com, D underscore Harms 19. I know he's been a guest on Sports Radio 810 a few times as well, so obviously a lot of people out there value his work and his opinion on, on all Chief stuff. So go check out his work on the website and follow him on Twitter for grid analysis, video coverage on there. Hey, Daniel, thank you so much for your time, and we hope to talk to you again down the road. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. I look forward to it. All right. Thanks, Daniel. Off he goes, Daniel Harms. Big thanks to him. Go check out his work and follow him on social media. He does a lot of great stuff 
on, Seriously, uh, on both the website. Yeah, uh, on because both the website. Because you will be a smarter fan for it. Yes. Uh, so check it out. Uh, would not have uh, said that if I didn't think so. So definitely go do that. But nonetheless, uh, it's time to break down this game between the Chiefs and the Ravens. It should be a very interesting game. A lot of people looking forward to this game. Uh, the betting line for this game, the Chiefs open up as six and a half point favorites at home. Uh, a lot of sports books I have them at six and a half or seven points, which I'll, I'll say a little favorable there as far as the weather goes. As Daniel just mentioned, uh, chance of rain throughout the day, 52% at kickoff, 76 degrees. By the way, I'll be honest, since I've had DirecTV, I think this is the first Chiefs game it's the first time during a Chiefs game it's going to rain. I've had DirecTV since 2016. So i got to be honest, I'm a little nervous how my uh, viewing experience, what that's going to be like. Uh, not sure if I'm going to uh, look for anything yeah. uh, online. So that uh, be a I was lot very confused by what you meant there at first. I forget that with DirecTV sometimes the weather uh, messes with it. Yes, that does. Ha- that's uh, I-, I will figure that out. By the way, I've been sharing this online. A lot of people are appreciated it from the 506.com. They have this uh, viewing map, which shows. So if you are in the Kansas City area or for Zach, for example, he's in the New York City area. It color codes the map and it shows what games you will get. Lots of people, about two thirds of the country will be getting the Chiefs and Ravens matchup this week. If you are in places like Pennsylvania, Cleveland, Detroit, Washington, uh, part of North Carolina, uh, a lot of people are in parts of Florida as well, the Jacksonville area, which is interesting, as well as Orlando. Uh, those markets are getting the Chiefs game. And then just about the entire part of the uh, mountain time zone and the Pacific time zone. They're all getting the Chiefs game. Everyone's going to be And almost the entire Midwest. A tiny part of Oklahoma and a tiny part of Texas and a tiny part of Arkansas not getting the Chiefs game. Half of Illinois will not be getting the Chiefs game. They'll be getting a different game on CBS. But everywhere else, Chiefs versus Ravens. So a lot of eyes on this football game this Sunday. Let's get right into it. Let's quickly go over the Chiefs. They're fourth in the NFL in scoring with 34 points per game, third in total offense, number one in the NFL in passing, 477 yards per game on average, and 26th in the NFL in rushing as far as the defense goes. A little bit better than uh, what it was last year, of course. Ninth in points per game with 18 points allowed per game, 19th in total defense, 20th against the pass, and 13th against the run. Head coach John Harbaugh. For the Baltimore Ravens, his 12th year with the Ravens was a special teams coach for Andy Reid in Philly from 1999 through 2007. He was actually hired in 1998, one of the four assistants retained from Ray Rhodes' staff in Philadelphia. And as far as the Ravens' offense goes, John Roman, the offensive coordinator since 1995, been an assistant in several places. Been a Ravens offensive line coach from 2006 to 2007. Returned to the team in 2015 as an offensive coordinator. He's had other roles. He returned as an OC this year. He worked for Jim Harbaugh, John's brother, in Stanford. As far as the Ravens offensively goes, number one in points per game with 41 points per game. First in total offense, 541 yards per game. Fourth in passing and number one in rushing, 223 yards per Per game, So a lot to go over. And let's talk about some of their players. Lamar Jackson under center. Top 10 in the NFL in completion percentage. Touchdown passes. First down throws. And quarterback rating. He ties first with Mahomes with 7 touchdown passes. And has the best passer rating in the NFL with 
a uh, 145.2 rating. Mahomes is third, by the way, behind Dak Prescott with 136.3. Mahomes is actually fourth because RG3 is technically second, but by the way, he's Lamar Jackson's teammate, uh, but he's only had six snaps. All completions with one touchdown pass, so perhaps that's why his stats are up there, but uh, Mahomes is actually fourth, but with um, among the starters, he's third. Uh, Lamar Jackson, by the way, 11th in passing yards, the only... Uh, stat he's not in the top 10 pro football focus rates him the second best quarterback behind Dak Prescott 19 scrambles for 126 yards other rushing stats running back Mark Ingram uh, 154 yards and two touchdowns 12th in rushing yards in the NFL Jackson is 17th by the way now Ingram is dealing with a shoulder injury so we'll see what his status is Justice Hill the return specialist uh, the fourth round pick from Oklahoma State if you follow local college football big 12 football uh, he could be the starter this week, and uh, Gus Edwards could play as well. Receivers, uh, they've got tight end Mark Andrews, who, or excuse me, Mark Andrews, who's got 16 catches for 220 yards and two touchdowns, and then wide receiver Marquise Brown, who Daniel brought up earlier, 12 catches for 233 yards and two touchdowns. The first round pick from OU. The next best pass catcher is the backup tight end Hayden Hurst, four catches, 42 yards. Uh, look, good offensive line, but. Man, uh, they don't have a lot of weapons that they really use to throw to. Lamar Jackson, the targets he's thrown to the most, it's helped him out so far. But at some point, you've got to learn to use some of the other weapons. And given this Chiefs defense right now, which is still kind of a mystery to us in the early going of the season, maybe there's a chance someone else could break through for that Ravens offense. But it's only been two guys that Lamar Jackson has really been working with. And even then, even with that limitation, still has gone well for him. The one thing that I, you know, again, I... I want to mention when it comes to you look at just strictly from a statistical perspective, the way that the uh, Ravens offense has performed, like, you know, if you look at the uh, scoring offenses in the NFL as a whole, the top two have one thing in common, and that's that they played the Miami Dolphins once already this year. So it just, you know, needs to be taken with a little bit of a grain of salt because Mm -hmm. the Dolphins are, you know, again, on pace to be the worst NFL team we've ever seen. Um, not to take away anything from the Ravens' offense. Don't get me wrong. I think we certainly have cause for concern here. I think, realistically, Marquise Brown could very well be one of the most dynamic receivers not named Tyreek Hill in terms of you know the size and speed combination in that you know he's a little shifty guy who can fly down the field. Um, you know, As you watch him play, you'll see that there's uh, a little bit of a similarity. He's not quite as fast as Tyreek, obviously, because no one's as fast as Tyreek. No. But uh, he he's a heck of a player, uh, and it's gonna be uh, you know I I wouldn't be shocked to see us you know, kind of bracket coverage on him just to make sure he doesn't get behind the defense. Uh, hopefully Thornhill or Matthew will be able to take take him on, uh, and then Mark Andrews has done a nice job as well. Uh, but I think ultimately yeah the weapon everybody's talking about and rightfully so is Lamar Jackson because you know he learned to throw the ball. You know he's always been a dynamic runner. We've known that ever since he was in Louisville. Uh, but he could throw the ball too. Uh, and so, you know, his ability to extend plays with his feet and, uh, you know, open it up with his arm, it's going to be a tough task for this Chiefs defense. Hopefully we'll be able to uh, get after him and hit him early and often. And looking at the Raiders' defense, if you 
followed some of the assistant coaches in the AFC West closely over the years, you may recognize this name, Don Martindale, as the defensive coordinator for the Ravens. He was formerly with the Raiders and the Broncos. He was the Broncos defensive coordinator in 2010 with Josh McDaniels. He was a Ravens linebackers coach from 2012 through 2017, and now he is in his second year as the defensive coordinator for the Ravens. And as far as the defense goes, pretty damn good. Fourth in points per game, allowing 13.5 points per game. Second in total defense with 274 yards. 18th against the pass. Number one against the run, surrendering only 20.5 yards per game on average on the ground. And you look at some of the Players to highlight on this defense, outside linebacker Pernell McPhee, uh, one of the best linebackers so far this year. His second stint in Baltimore, by the way, has one and a half sacks. Outside linebacker Matthew Judon, reliable pass rusher who can pressure quarterbacks. He's already got two sacks this season, and they've also got a good nose tackle on Michael Pierce. Kind of reminds me of Chris Jones right now, and I'd even go as far as saying like Dontari Poe. Uh, when he was playing for the Chiefs a few years ago, helping Holly and Houston get one-on-one battles when Poe would draw up double-team uh, double coverages uh, from off... or not coverages, but blocks from offensive linemen. So Michael Pierce has that kind of impact, a similar kind of impact. Best cornerback on the team? You guys know this guy, Brandon Carr. Uh, 2008 fifth-round draft pick from Grand Valley State in Kansas City. Another cornerback on the team, Marlon Humphrey. Uh, he's got an interception so far this year. Safeties? Tony Jefferson, about an average, above average type of safety. Free safety, Earl Thomas, everyone in Kansas City familiar with him. Almost became a Chief last year during a trade uh, that was close to going down between the Seahawks and the Chiefs. And during the offseason, it sounded like he was about to sign with Kansas City. He's got one interception this year. The middle linebacker is not too good. Patrick Onwasor, I believe is how you say it, leads the team with 10 tackles. But uh, they have not been doing very well against the run uh, individually, those guys. But as a team, they've been able to make up for that. So that is the Ravens' defense. So against the pass, 18th against the pass. And I, that is where the Chiefs definitely want to excel. And given the weather, and look, I know we maybe overhype the weather factor a little bit sometimes in sports, but uh, you never know sometimes. And kind of makes me wonder how the Chiefs' offense is going to look in the passing attack Uh, with the weather and given how Baltimore's defense is against the pass. Yeah, I'm with you there, especially when it comes to the safeties. But when it comes to the cornerbacks, I mean, you know, Brennan Card, you know, while it's a name that obviously Chiefs fans are familiar with, and he's had some really good years and some relatively mediocre years in his career, um, I think we can all agree that he's nearing the tail end of said career. Uh, and so, I mean, he doesn't scare me too, too much as a cornerback. Um, Earl Thomas, obviously one of the better safeties, and especially when it comes to, like, you know, the center field playing ball hawking safety. Uh, you know, he's about as good as it gets in that regard, though. I'll be interested to see how he looks again, given that he was, uh, you know, I mean, he's getting up there in years as well, and he's had some injuries. So, uh, you know, I don't know that he'll be the same Earl Thomas that, you know, we've come to expect. Um I agree wholeheartedly. They missed C.J. Mosley really bad at that linebacker position. Um, you know, if he had been in there, I think that you know they'd have a little bit of, you know, arguably even a stronger rush defense than they've had so far. Though again, their first versus the run, twenty point five yards per game, but that's against the Miami Dolphins and then the Arizona Cardinals, who just really didn't run the ball a heck of a lot. Um, so just take that with a grain of salt. All that being said. I'd like the Chiefs' odds, you know, offensively to uh, be able to move the ball on this team. 
Um, and I really, I do think we can run the ball on them as well, not just having to, you know, air it out. Though obviously that's what we're, you know, that's what we're best at. Uh, so I, I'm less concerned about this Ravens defense than I have than I have been in years past. Uh, you know, it's going to be the Ravens offense versus Chiefs defense is the matchup that I'm going to be a little bit more concerned about. And the last facet of the game, special teams. Justin Tucker, uh, one of the best in the NFL for a long time, 404. He already has a 51 yarder this season. Sam Cook has four punts. Colquitt has only six punts, and given that both offenses have been very good, no surprise that we've only seen them just a couple of times this year. I mentioned Justice Hill. Uh, he is one of the backup running backs who could play a lot this week. Three returns for 55 yards uh, as a kick returner, and then Cyrus Jones, uh, their punt returner, longest punt return, 75, uh, excuse me, 25 yards, and he's already got five returns for 75 yards, three fair catches. So he's been one of the best punt returners so far in the NFL in the first two weeks. You know, I kind of just look at this, Zach, the Chiefs passing game. That has served them very well, and I didn't mention this earlier, but Patrick Mahomes did win AFC Offensive Player of the Week honors, and I thought it was going to be Demarcus Robinson, but Mahomes, I can understand that. Four touchdown passes, hard to not give it to him, but given this Chiefs passing attack, and again, I mentioned this with Daniel, I've said this a couple of times on the podcast and on social media, Sammy Watkins ran wild in Week 1. Demarcus Robinson ran wild in Week 2. Travis Kelsey really helped out. Uh, this game and Travis Kelsey, uh, he had I think what was it ninety eight yards or ninety three yards in week one. So it's not like he had a terrible game in week one. Still yeah, a little he had lot. hundred last week too. Yeah, he had one hundred and seven yards the, uh, against the Raiders on the road. So this is this is a Chiefs passing game that again weather is going to be very interesting. And how is that Ravens defense going to look? They challenged the Chiefs last year. They held the Chiefs to twenty four points in four quarters. That's the fewest amount of points the Chiefs scored last year in four quarters now because they got a field goal it was not the fewest amount of points they scored in a game last year it was 26 against Cardinals so one point differential there but my point is um this is a team that has challenged the Chiefs the most more than any other defense out there since Mahomes has been the quarterback for the Chiefs gonna be interesting to see if they have a similar game plan to last year what are they going to change up this year and of course they have not forgotten about that no look pass because that is a defense that you see on the other side uh, being a victim of that no-look pass. The thing that's going to be most interesting, I think, from where I'm sitting is to see if the Ravens can really generate much of a pass rush because that, I think, is the one area that they've tapered off the most from last year to this year. Uh, you know, Obviously, they let you know Big T Sizzle get away. Um, he's now in Arizona. Uh, and then uh, you know, I think it was Darius Smith, if my memory serves, uh, who is now a Packer? You know those two were you know a pretty solid pass rushing tandem. Um, and they obviously, like you mentioned, you know they still have uh, Pernell McPhee, uh, and there's still you know some moderate cause for concern. But I think that you know the Chiefs will be able to keep Mahomes a little bit cleaner than they have in years past, or well, you know I guess last year against the Ravens. I don't think this defense is quite as uh, stout as it was a year ago. And so I think that the Chiefs will be able to move the ball. The question is going to be, can they hang on to it? Uh, you know, obviously, whenever it's a rainy sort of game, the first concern becomes fumbles, um, and then to a you know slightly lesser extent, you know, the ability to hang on to it and catch it in the passing game. Uh, so, you know, going to be looking for the Chiefs to uh, you know generate some turnovers, obviously on the defensive side of the ball, but then take care of the football on offense and 
not give this uh, you know solid Ravens offense too many chances to uh, you know march down the field and score. So what is your score for this one? I've I said that this was either going to be a low scoring game or it was going to be a shootout. And now with the rain here, and again, I, I think maybe we take credit away too much about with players and how they'll do in bad weather and all. But I still think this is going to be a fairly entertaining game. I think both teams are going to score a lot of points. And I, I love how the Chiefs have been able to pull away in the second half of both games against the Jaguars and against the Raiders, the way they've been able to do that both times. I know they didn't score at all in the second half of the Raiders game, but the defense did not let them do anything. And then the Jaguars game, yeah, they scored in the fourth quarter, but that was during garbage time. So this Chiefs defense has come alive in the second half, and this is going to be their biggest test uh, so far this season. And I think one of the biggest tests they'll be facing all year long. Uh, Of course, Tom Brady and the Pats, that'll top them. But this will be one of the best offenses you'll see. My score prediction... I think the Chiefs get some points. I think the Ravens will score a lot as well. Uh, and I think the Chiefs defense may come away with some key stops in the second half. So I'm going to go 34-24 Kansas City in this one. I think I'm going to take the uh, you know more of the shootout sort of line here. I'm going to go with 42-35 because I think that both teams are going to be able to put some points on the board. But I think that the Chiefs defense has enough to... Uh, either generate a you know an important stop when we need it or you know be able to get some takeaways here and there as well. So remind me your score again. 42-35. 42-35. All right, should be very interesting. Let us know your thoughts. Facebook.com slash Farzi Vesugian at Farzi21 and at Z Stegenga. Plus the number for the voicemail slash text line, 913-808-2119. Speaking of the text, let's read a couple of those and hit those real quickly. From the 336, Michael in North Carolina, what are your top three most likely cornerbacks that we could trade for? I still think we end up with Peterson. Uh, look, I, I don't have a top three list. Uh, Zach, I don't know if you do. I, I know a lot of people are saying Patrick Peterson. I mentioned earlier he is suspended. I know Xavier Howard, another guy who a lot of Chiefs fans want, but he just signed a five-year deal in the offseason with the Ra- uh, with the Dolphins. Excuse me. So, uh, I guess my top three: Jalen Ramsey, Jalen Ramsey, <laughs> Jalen Ramsey. I'll be honest. Uh, I don't know if I have a top three. I, I, I just don't know. Who else you could go get right now that would bring you a championship quality type of impact to help you make that push to the Super Bowl? Is there another cornerback that you have in mind out there, Zach, that you think the Chiefs could get for a better price? Available right now? No. Possibly available here in a couple of weeks. Uh, you know, it ultimately comes down to like there's two that I would that I could see in the NFC East. Uh, coming over that being Janoris Jenkins of the Giants if uh, you know they go full rebuild mode which they haven't shown sign I mean I guess they are showing some level of signs in that they're starting Daniel Jones this week Uh, but if that goes well then obviously that idea comes off the table Uh, and then the Redskins similarly if they uh, you know go into rebuild mode they could look to move Josh Norman uh, who I think could be had for a fairly reasonable price as well those are two that come immediately to mind. I mean, obviously Peterson is still out there, um, and you know he's he, come week six. I think you know is really when any of these three would be available. So it, it's certainly an option, but I think that you know Ramsey is of those that I mentioned, you know the best option, also clearly the most expensive. So that's going to be something to uh, keep an eye on. But yeah, I don't know. When it comes to you know corners, I think that in order of likelihood, I'd go. You know, Ramsey for the moment, uh, Patrick Peterson, and then, you know, I, I think that the Redskins are going to be slightly worse than the Giants, so I'll say Josh Norman. 
Uh, Aaron from the 313 in Northern Virginia. Imagine this. Week 14, KC is 13-0. New England is 13-0. Then the Chiefs steamroll the Pats, and home field is secured. I think at that point, Zach will get on board with 19-0. I know Zach's not going to be on the 19-0 bandwagon soon, but as far as securing home field after that, well, if the Patriots are only one game behind, home field would not necessarily be secured. I remember last year, the Chiefs had multiple opportunities to secure home field fairly early, like a week 15 and then week 16, and they couldn't because they lost to the Chargers and then the Seahawks. It took them all 17 weeks to get home field advantage. It's not a very easy thing. I know the Chiefs had multiple chances last year to wrap it up early. Uh, Listen, man, when you're on top, it can be a pretty difficult thing to do. So um, I don't know exactly when. I I know I'm saying 19-0 for the team, but uh, I'm not exactly sure when home field will be secure. If I had to guess, I think maybe a week 16 for sure. Maybe week 15 if I'm going with my undefeated prediction. Um, but it's not easy to to wrap it up as early as some might think or some might want. With you there on the uh, home field advantage, though, I can absolutely tell you that if we, you know, if that scenario plays out exactly the way the uh, you know texter laid it out. Which is to say, you know, we both go in thirteen and zero, and we uh, manage to beat the Pats. That's in Foxborough, correct? Correct. Yeah, if we are able to go in and win that game in Foxborough in December, yeah, all right, I'll hop on that bandwagon at that point. Um, <laughs> you know, there's, you know, really after that, I mean, I think you know the Bears at Shul- Soldier Field on Christmas, you know, in what's most likely to be snow because it's Chicago around Christmas time, like. Yeah, you know, maybe that's another you know, potential uh, drop, but I'd be happy to jump on that bandwagon uh, if we go thirteen and zero into Foxborough and come out with a W. Like that's uh, that'd be a beautiful thing to see. We are converting you, Zach. We are we're, we're working on it. I mean, there's a lot of time between <laughs> now and then. Let's be real here, but we'll see. I'm not going to rule it out. All right, it's been a long show. Appreciate Daniel Harms for joining us here on the podcast. Thank uh, all of you guys. For downloading and listening to this episode of the Chiefs Home Podcast, Facebook.com slash Farzine Vesugian, at Farzine21, on Twitter, at ZStegna, 913-808-2119. Also, thank you to the texters who texted into the podcast. Subscribe to the podcast. Share the links. We've also got our Chiefs Kingdom flag giveaways going on right now, so get on there on Facebook and Twitter. I told you the rules at the beginning of the podcast. Very simple, very easy, very quick. Go participate in that. You have until Friday night, 7 o'clock Central Standard Time. I will announce the winners for those two. And we'll do another flag giveaway uh, for the 2019 flag. And I have the 2016 flag also. Sealed, never been opened. Uh, We will give that away as well. Enjoy your weekend. Enjoy all the football action this weekend. Enjoy the Chiefs on Sunday. If you're going to the game, stay dry. Please be safe going to the game. Enjoy it most importantly. And hopefully we'll be back recapping a Chiefs victory Sunday night. I'm Farzee Vasugan. He is Zach Stegna. Thank you for listening to the Chiefs on Podcast. Talk to you this weekend.